Greetings, friends. My name is Wes Nakamura from Blockworks Macro in Tokyo. It's Monday, May 1st, 2023 at Asia Markets Close. Welcome to the Market Depth Podcast, bringing you global market commentary analysis from the Asia-Pacific trading session so that you know what happened overnight. And we have a surprise contraction in China manufacturing PMIs from this weekend. Um, we also have a bunch of market holidays out of Asia this week and a bunch of central banks on deck as well for this week. So uh, I'll go over those quickly in light of the Bank of Japan's yield curve control unchanged April policy meeting from Friday. So in context of that, okay. Before I do that, however, I want to just comment on the Japan equity markets, um, which today were up about 1%, um, you know, again, though on very low volume because it is golden week for Japan and so activity is very light. But nonetheless, there, there's been recent strength and outperformance um, that we've been seeing in Japan stocks, which have been holding firm and strong throughout the global equity sell-off of 2022, of last year, um, relatively speaking, right? Because Japan stocks, you know, excluding the very, very end of the, the year, of the back half of December, Japan stocks basically were, you know, flat over the entire course of the year, while other indices, notably the U.S., had been down double digits throughout most of 2022. But Japan equities are really getting attention, especially in the past month or so. In other words, ever since that Warren Buffett, like public re-endorsement of Japan equities, foreign inflows into Japan stocks have been massive. So we're looking at, you know, a, a total of over 4 trillion yen since then in the past four weeks or since that um, Warren Buffett visit to, to Tokyo. Over 4 trillion yen of foreign inflows into Japan equities makes it the most in any four-week period in about three decades. And additionally, we've seen Japan indices outperform its DM counterparts um, in the U.S. and Europe since that point over the last four weeks um, and by a substantial margin. And now the Nikkei 225 index is just about 3% shy of that 30,000 yen level. And that 30K level, that's served as quite a formidable resistance level for upside breakout. Um, and no, it's not like a hard stop 30K on the dot resistance, of course. But nonetheless, it's it's a resistance that has prevented Japan from breaking out to its own like new highs as global stocks were, at the time, hitting their own respective all-time record highs. Uh, Japan was just being held back because of that 30k level. So now that we're all there again, and now that we have foreign flows coming in at multi-decade highs, let's see if this has some legs to the upside, um, and that Japan might be able to break out uh, through that 30k level, or bounce off of it, or just kind of muddle around it. Either way, it's something to keep an eye on, because the Japan equities trade looks to be very much on, by, especially by the foreign community, uh, community, and the only question is, to what extent um, more from here? And will the domestic investors also basically chase the foreigners in? Um, I will also note one final point about Japan equities, just generally about foreign flows into Japan equities. So like foreign flows into the, the Japan equity market post-bubble era, you know, decades ago, has been basically the most like disloyal capital, right? It's basically the last in and first out of people's international you know, equity portfolio, right? Meaning when there's nowhere else to invest um, because everything looks expensive or, or whatever else, then people kind of begrudgingly buy Japan. And then the first sign of sort of 
weakness in global equities, global macro, let, let alone something Japan specific. It's the first that gets cut out. Okay, so just keep uh, you know, just just keep that in mind um, and be mindful of that kind of behavior. And then also quickly on the rates front, we did see a collapse in JGB yields from the you know policy unchanged BOJ decision on Friday, um, and subsequently downside in yields elsewhere around the world as well. Uh, now, over the weekend, we had an unexpected weak print in China manufacturing PMI, basically coming in below 50. So coming in for a contraction um, versus expectations of a 51.4 print. Okay, so that's that's pretty big. Um, not just that the fact that it missed, but the fact that it came into contraction territories, you know, sub 50 for a PMI uh, versus expectations. Um, and so this is the first time that the reading has below has been below that 50 mark since December, and it's reflecting weak global demand. We have services PMI remain strong above 50, well above 50, 56.4, um, though it is also down you know, a tick from previous. But this once again shows the picture of China's growth has been driven domestically rather than by global external factors, or rather despite global slowdowns, as new orders and as buying activity fell for this latest PMI after rising for three months consecutively since December. And on the heels of this, we're, we're seeing some weakness in commodity markets, right? So iron ore is down another 3% today, down to 105. So now we're hitting fresh five-month lows um, due to steelmakers' demand weakness, right? Crude oil futures also down another 2% for, uh, for WTI and for Brent um, off this surprise you know, weakness in China manufacturing PMIs. Um, you know, crude has had trouble holding an 80 handle all year. But otherwise, it's actually kind of tough to gauge the market reactions of what this, you know, kind of surprise weakness in China manufacturing PMIs is due to the holidays uh, that I mentioned before this week in Asia. You know, we have China closed today, tomorrow, Wednesday. Um, then we have Japan closed for Golden Week and then uh, Korea closed as well at the end of the week. And so while Asia may be quiet for this week in terms of market activity and developments, we do have a bunch of central banks of note um, with policy announcements for this week. Namely, we have the RBA, the Reserve Bank of Australia, tomorrow, Tuesday, May 2nd. Then we have the US FOMC on Wednesday, the 3rd, and then the ECB and Norge Bank on the 4th. And then Bank of England is also on the 11th, which is the following. So with market holidays and illiquidity and inactivity out of Asia in mind, right? And with the BOJ uncertainty now out of the picture for the moment, um, as being on hold in terms of yield curve control policy. That means that for the near term, in terms of currency directional plays um, on relative yield spreads, you can look at JPY at the yen as a good base currency to see what market reactions are taking place for each of these respective central banks' um, policy reactions, right? So for example, Take the RBA decision tomorrow, the Reserve Bank of Australia. Instead of watching AUD-USD, the currency pair, right, because the AUD-USD, that USD leg has yet to be settled in terms of near-term policy implications because the Fed is will be reporting the following day, I'd much rather be watching AUD-JPY, Aussie Yen Cross, for potential uh, directional you know, reading, right? Upside in AUD JPY if we get any hawkish retilt from Governor Lowe following the rate pauses that the RBA has instituted against a dovish or yield curve control on hold BOJ from Friday. Or Aussie and downside if not, right? But either way, the immediate term among you know the the major central banks 
the BOJ yield curve control on hold makes Japan and the yen as the relative static pair for which the other FX pairs will move against. Um, for the cleanest read on those respective currencies um, and market sort of readings of these respective banks and whatever the decisions may be. That's it for me for now. Uh, I see that we are getting headlines about First Republic Bank getting taken over by JP Morgan. That's a massive headline. Um, and I'll be looking into that further, um, see if there's any implications from Japan Bank's standpoint as well about all this on a much bigger picture. But until then, thanks for watching yet another episode of Market Depth. On behalf of Blockworks Macro, my name is Wes Nakamura. We'll see you next time. Thanks.